lifted up the everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Let's give the Lord a hand praise in this place. Let's give the Lord a hand praise in this place. Hallelujah. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. You know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. No money in my pocket. The Lord is good. Folk talk about me. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth for all generations. Give the Lord a hand praise in this place. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. Now, some folk act like y'all ain't never been through nothing, but some folk know what I'm talking about this morning. If it had not been for the Lord, who was on my side. Hallelujah. 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 Ah, glory to your name, Jesus. I just thank and praise God for being here on this morning. Some folks, particularly my children, they don't like me acting this way, I think, sometimes. (laughs) but that's okay that's all right i love them in jesus name i heard somebody testify a long time ago if anybody wonder what is the matter with me you just tell them that i'm saved sanctified holy ghost filled fire baptized i got jesus in my life and i'm running for my life hallelujah when I look back over my life and I begin to think, think, have you ever just thought things over? You can truly say that I've been blessed. I got a testimony. And you don't have a testimony without a test. And I had a couple of them, amen? And so we got a reason to say thank you this morning. We got a reason to say thank you. If you got a reason to say thank you this morning, just say thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. See, this is the one place I can dance. Amen. I can't dance. So I'm going to dance in the house of the Lord. If y'all don't mind, I'm just going to be myself. Amen. It's too much work trying to be somebody else. (laughs) It's too hard. Amen. My God, there's 7.5 billion people on this planet Earth. And I can beat everybody at one thing. I can beat everybody at being me. Amen. Nobody can beat me at that. So I've learned just to be myself. Amen. We just thank and praise God for being here on this morning. And thank and praise God for the pastor, Pastor Samuel Duran. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise for him and his family. Amen. Thank and praise God for my family. All my family's all over here and, and back there. Sister Eileen, Aunt Eileen back there. My family over here. I thank and praise God for them. 
and our pastor, Pastor Bolden, we thank and praise God for him. Let's, we already read the scripture. I'm just going to read one verse in your hearing. We thank and praise God for the musician, Brother Jeff, praise the Lord, and the, and the choir. They were awesome this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand praise for them. Amen. I'm just going to read one verse because we read the text, all right? But, but the one verse that I want us to just think about, and we read the earliest scriptures in Mark chapter number 14, verses 3. We read all the way down. But the last verse, and I have the King James Version, it just says, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of. For a memorial of her. You may be seated. And before I get going here, I want to thank and praise God. My mom, my dad, my aunt Eileen is here. My sister Nicole. Cheryl, my, my dad's wife is here. My children and my, my wife, uh, Sister Katrina Reynolds. And I thank and praise God for her. Um, we've been married for over 21 years. And I thank and praise God for that. And she's just been a blessing to me. I don't tell her that every day, um, and I need to. Um, but I'm going to say it today in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and uh, and I, I want to just um, honor this house, um, 140 years. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise for that. And, and, I'll, and I'll say to you, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to be here on today. And... Um, and I just thank and praise God for working it out. And um, uh, just a few hours ago, it seems like um, about eight o'clock, nine o'clock last night, I was in the, I was in Atlanta, and um, and I got this text message, and they said that um, the 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 plane, the flight is canceled. Uh, evidently, there was some weather up in Chicago, and I was with one of my friends. I was down there speaking for the NCAA, the National Collegiate Athletic Association. They had this big forum, and they asked me to be on a panel. And so I got this text message and saying from Delta saying that the flight was canceled. And I was with one of my friends who works for the NCAA and, um, and, and Delta, they just, you know, I don't like people making decisions for me. Amen. So they booked me on a flight for today and I wouldn't get back here until 430 on this evening. And I'm like, that's not going to work. And so I, I, I was talking to one of my buddies and he said um, he knew I told him that I was planning to be here on this morning. And he said, well, why don't you just reach out to the, um, you know, folks there and just let them know that, you know, you're not going to make it. And inwardly, I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> the devil's a liar. Amen. That would have probably been the appropriate thing to do. Hey, we're having some trouble. Can you work with me? You know, I may, may not be there. I said, no, I didn't even see. see. you don't even have to acknowledge some stuff. Amen. I didn't even acknowledge it. And so I got on the phone and talked with my assistant. And I said, we got to figure out this flight thing. I got to be back in Peoria at 10 o'clock in the morning. And Delta, they're telling me that they put me on this flight for, for today on Sunday. And I said, that's not going to work. And, and, I, and I know how these flights work better than the airlines. I've been on so many airplanes and flights. And so I said, I know they got a flight from Atlanta to Charlotte to Peoria. I've been on that. I know they got a flight from Atlanta to Dallas to Peoria. I said, check all those flight times. I said, there has to be something. We can go from Atlanta to Indianapolis, and I can drive back to Peoria. And so I had all this stuff figured. I said, check all these things out, and I think we'll be able to work something out. And so she checked it all out, 
and she was able to find a direct flight um, that left Atlanta at 10 o'clock last night, and I got back into this airport here in Peoria at about 11 or so, and so I, I'm in the Peoria airport, and, um, and I'm looking for my car now, all right, and so, uh, and so I'm thinking I'm still in Atlanta. I have like, like you know, tank tops on and, you know, short sleeves, and it's just freezing, right? And everybody that drives a white Toyota Highlander had to have been parked in that parking lot at the airport because everybody's car looked like my car. And I'm out there freezing, and I'm thinking to myself, it is a miracle that I made it here this night, right, after all the different changes and flights and everything like that. And then on top of that, I checked my phone, and my assistant was out of the office all week because she had some issues with her family, but I was double booked. I was, I'm supposed to, at 1030, be with our softball team talking with them because it's senior day. And so I called the softball coach up last night, and I said, you know what, I double booked. I got this commitment. Can I come talk to you all at 840 this morning? So I can be here at 10 o'clock and that all got worked out. And so I'm walking through the airport. I'm thinking to myself, the flight got canceled. I'm double booked. The devil tried to keep me from being here. <laughs> but the Lord always prevails, always prevails, always prevails. There's, there's always a way. Amen. He always provides a way of escape. Amen. And, and I was thinking to myself, I said, Pastor Duran has no idea. All these things that transpired in the last 10 hours. And the Lord spoke to me. I'm walking through the parking lot, just freezing, looking through my car. I'm, I'm clicking my clicker, hoping some light come on. Amen. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's just how I work. He said, even as you go through your life, he says, I protect you from danger seen and unseen. So Pastor Durr don't have to know all the changes you went through. Amen. And I started reflecting my own life on how the Lord protected me from so many mishaps that could have happened that I had no idea. Amen. What could have happened? Amen. And many times we think it's because we just so smart. Amen. And there was danger all around us and we had no idea. No idea. And so I just thank and praise God for being here on this morning. Amen. And so when we look at this particular text, you know, and, and I've, I've preached from this, I've read this like a zillion times, amen? And when I say a zillion, it wasn't literally a zillion, but many times over the course of 20 years. And something just grabbed me a couple days ago that I hadn't really considered before. And it's, it's just a singular thought that I want to leave you with, all right? And so I'm, I'm not going to hoop and holler and do backflips this morning, amen? I'm just not going to do that, all right? And so I got all excited before. That, that's it. All right. So we just going to do this almost like Sunday school style because some of y'all missed Sunday school this morning. Amen. So the Lord let me to know that that was going to happen. All right. And so we just going to do a Sunday school style for those that missed it. Amen. Amen. And so we're just going to walk through this to make a point because I want to make sure that we leave here with a point. All right. We all been to service at a time in our life when we went to service and it got hot and heavy. Amen. And folks was, you know, and, and, and then we get home and somebody said, what they preach about? I don't know, but they preach. No, we're not doing that this morning. Amen. We're going to leave with something. Amen. We're going to leave with something. And so the singular thought I have, you know, it, it said this gospel that's going to be preached. It's going to be preached. We, 
we're going to remember this woman. Amen. Every time this gospel is preached, we're going to reference this person. I mean, her name is going to be known for what she did. All right. And so the thought came to me a couple of days ago. How, how do you make your name known throughout the whole world? I mean, throughout the whole world. How do you do that? Because we live in a time where everybody wants to be a big baller and a shot caller. Everybody want to be important. All right. Everybody want to have a zillion friends on the Facebook and the Twitter. Amen. They want to be known. Everybody want to be somebody. All right. So how do you make your name known? How do you become somebody? That almost looked like Aunt Audrey. I don't think it is, but almost looks like. Amen. But how do you make yourself known? Because what I find is that many of us, we try to make ourselves known. We try to get the attention of the supervisor. We try to be liked by so-and-so. We try, we try. And sometimes the more we try, it seems the less it works for us, right? We try to do it in our power and not in his strength. And I don't believe she did anything to try to make this happen, right? I don't believe she did. But just through her doing what she was supposed to do, it happened, right? And so I'm going to leave us three things that, that jumped out to me in this particular text that I believe put her in a position where Jesus would say, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. What she did, we still talking about. We still talking about it. And so when you look in the particular text in verse number three, the Bible does not give her name. The Bible says a certain woman. Now, when you look in the book of Luke, the scripture lets us know because it gives this same account. It lets us to know that it's Mary. All right. But evidently mentioning her name in this particular text wasn't important. Right. And so what I find is that the more we try to make ourselves to be important, right, right, it's not going to work out the way we envisioned. How many times have you been in your apartment or your house, for example, you're looking all over for your keys, all right? You're just looking, just tearing up everything, right? He said, man, I'm just tired looking for these keys, right? You sit down, you raise up some, oh, they're right there. I mean, it's like it just happens that way sometimes. It happens that way. Right. And so it says a certain woman. I was thinking to myself, when you think about this individual in the text that we're going to read about, she was extraordinary for a lot of reasons. And sometimes we we we, we skip the parts that are really important and we get to the places that in our mind are important. But these things weren't important to her. She wasn't concerned about making herself known. And so the three things I'm going to give you, I'll give you the first one. Quickly, the first thing, if you look at verse number three, the Bible says she came into this house. Um, The Bible says that there was a man named Simon. He was a leper and this was his house. He was in the house. The disciples was in the house and Jesus was in the house. 
And so she came in that particular house. She came in there with a purpose. All right. And so we got to recognize how important purpose is to whatever we are trying to accomplish in our lives. You can just look at folks in their eye and you can just tell whether or not they have purpose. Some folks, they just look like they don't even know what is going on. Somebody said a long time ago, there's three types of people. Some that, 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 that want to know what's happening. So, some that understand what's happening and some that don't know what's happening. They just don't know. And some folks look like they just don't know what's happening. But this woman walked into this house and she had a purpose. She had a purpose. And every single day of our life, we need to wake up with purpose. Wake up with something to do. Amen. I mean, growing up and I had some buddies, you know, and, you know, what you doing today? I don't know. Just chilling, man. You can't move forward like that. And she wasn't caught up with whose house it was and what he had. Amen. When you got a purpose, you're not caught up in those little bitty things. But, you know, we get too particular about stuff that don't even matter. We get stuck on stupid. Amen. Just caught up in things that are just merely distractions. What if she had never gone into the house because the brother had leprosy? She didn't pay that any mind because she went there with an agenda. She went there with something to do. She had a singular focus on her mind. See, when I was growing up, people say, man, you just too serious. You too serious. You know what? I'm still serious. I have something to do. So if you go to a restaurant to get something, you want somebody cooking your pancakes that look like they have no purpose, no destiny, just distract everywhere. You want somebody flipping your pancakes that look like they got a purpose. That look like they serious about what they're doing. Come on now. I was on my phone the other day and I, you know, like a lot of folks, I YouTube stuff. And, 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 I, and I like to listen a lot of times to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we've heard a lot of those speeches, right? And he talked about, you know, if you go on streets, if you're going to sweep streets, sweep streets like Michelangelo drew pictures, right? Come on. It doesn't matter what your lot is in life, but do it with a purpose. Do it with a singleness of mind. And so she walked into the house and she had this alabaster box. Now, alabaster, it was, it, was, it was the fine mineral the box was made of. And it had this ointment of spikenard. And so it was precious. All right. It was costly. All right. And so the first thing I want to leave you guys with is if you want to be known. All right. If you want to be known throughout the whole world. All right. You got to recognize that what you give, it matters to God. What you give matters. She didn't come in there with just some knockoff version there, you know, of, of the oil. She came in there and she spent a lot of money for that particular oil. It cost her something to be something. And she gave her all. And she didn't ration out the ointment. 
She didn't ration out the ointment. No, no. It was precious. And the Bible says she break the box. She break it. You know, some of us, we would have just kind of, you know, it cost a lot of money. We would just ration that thing out. You know, we would have went like this first, and then we would, you know, that's how we do. That's how we do. But she break the box. She wasn't trying to save any for herself. But she gave everything. And, you know, the people in history that we, that we esteem today, they, they're not known for what they received. They're not. They are known for what they gave. Amen. See, I didn't have to say Martin Luther King. All I had to say was Martin. Amen. Amen. All I had to do was say Mandela. Right. All I had to do was say Gandhi. Just one name. These people, they where they're known because they gave something and they weren't concerned about their names being in lights. At one point, they asked Gandhi. You know, they were the, the, the people that were trying to destroy and kill him. They approached him one day and they said, who is leading the movement? And his response was, he said, the still small voice. It wasn't about him. And so if you want to become known, it can't be about you. And we live in an age. We live in an age. And sometimes the world will come into the church where, you know what, it becomes all about us. I mean, we live in the most narcissistic age. People just think about themselves to such a degree. It's just, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. How can I make myself known? How can I look like a big shot? But if you really want to make yourself known, you give of yourself. T.D. Jakes, he does these interviews now. He does these talk shows. And he asked this woman who, she's a CEO of her own company and doing well. And, and he asked her a question. He said, he, said, he, said, he said, what did you give to become and to amass all that you have been able to acquire over the years? What did you give? And her response was, simply everything, darling, simply everything. Because that's what it costs. It costs everything. When people see me, it's interesting, they just assume a whole lot about me, right? Well, I'd love to be you for a day. They have no idea what it costs to be me. It costs Because I have given everything, 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 everything. See, people, they see the glory. They don't know the story. They don't know the story. What you give matters to God. In verse number four, it says, and there were some that had indignation within themselves And so they started asking questions, you know, why was this waste of ointment made, right? And so they're asking questions. The second point that I want to leave you guys with, if you want to make yourself known, what you endure matters to God. See, before 
you can get to it. You got to go through it. See, we don't want to go through anything. We want a 2019 version of a crossless Christianity. We want the crown. We don't want the cross. We don't want the cross. But we want the crown. But it's going to cost you something. And you have to be willing. I said willing to endure it. I'm not talking about kicking and screaming. I'm not talking about rolling your neck and batting your eye. You got to embrace the struggle. You got to recognize that struggle is part of the process. There's a process to this thing. I'm not much, of, I'm not much the baker, right? Sister Reynolds can bake. She can cook those cakes and pies and do all that, right? But I know a little bit of something, right? And so I know it takes some eggs, it takes some milk, it takes some butter, it takes some flour, right? It probably takes some vanilla extract. I, I've watched, amen. I've been a spectator to this thing, all right? And so they put all that stuff in the bowl and they mix it all up, right? And if you get lucky, you get the spoon, you get to lick the spoon. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so you mix that thing up, you mix that thing up. But that's not the end of the process. That's not cake. How do you get cake? You got to put that thing in the oven and you got to turn that thing up. In other words, you got to apply some heat. See, we want cake, but we don't want heat. But if you want cake, you got to have some heat. Because heat is part of the process. What you endure, it matters to God. And so when we read in the book of First and Second Timothy, I love to read it near the end. Bible talks about the Apostle Paul. We've heard it before. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And so we go on and we talk about how Apostle Paul was writer of two thirds of the New Testament scripture. But when you when you when you go and you start to read about the Apostle Paul's life, he had to endure some things. Beaten with rods for a time, save one shipwrecked among my countrymen and he had to go through all sorts of things but he says i fought a good fight honey you got the fight in this thing but you don't fight with these you don't fight with these right i heard somebody once say they talked about this this lady and and you know and and and, and she she went to sleep with her fist balled up I said man why you go to sleep with your fist balled up she said, just in case somebody starts something. Oh, we don't fight like that. We don't fight like that. We don't fight like that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. That we might be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And the Bible talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you can't see the helmet. You can't see the shield. You can't see the breastplate. All right. 
And you know what? You can't even see the sword. And so one time I was in the service and the brother said, show me your sword. Every play, raise up their Bible. You can't see the helmet. You can't see the breastplate. You can't see the shield. But that sword is that word coming out of your mouth. Amen. You got to learn to speak that word. That's how we fight. That's how you cancel out the enemy because the enemy is talking to you. Talking to you from the time you wake up in the morning, the devil's talking to you. Want you to touch and agree on something negative. And you got to be able to cancel that out with what comes out of your mouth. One time I was on the treadmill and I learned the power of this. I'm on the treadmill running and the moment I said, I'm tired. Everything shut down. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. There's something about what comes out of your mouth. If you have faith as of the size of a mustard seed, what do you do to that mountain? Say unto that mountain, be thou removed. Don't complain to the mountain. Don't whine to the mountain, but speak to those mountains. But what you endure, it matters to God. And don't worry about failure because failure is part of the process. How do I know that? The Bible talks about Peter on one occasion. He denied Christ three times. Jesus speaks to Peter. He says, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But Jesus, says, I pray for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, go strengthen the brethren. He wasn't concerned about Peter failing. He was concerned about Peter's faith not failing. But you falling down and bumping your head, that's part of the process. And so she walks into the house and they became indignant to her. Now, these weren't people out in the world. These were the disciples of Jesus Christ. I told the saints a couple months ago, you got to recognize, and the sooner you recognize, the better off you'll be. It's always an inside job. You ever watch those movies? It was always the butler. It was always the sister. It was always somebody right under their nose. Come on, it wasn't somebody out in the world that, that hoodwinked Samson. Come on, it was Delilah right up under his nose. Come on, Adam made a mistake, you know, but you know, the serpent spoke to Eve, you know, it wasn't the world. Right under his nose, he got deceived by somebody he knew. Amen. Moses couldn't go into the promised land because he became angry. He smoked the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. Who is he mad at? The children of Israel. What in the world? It's always an inside job. Always an inside job. When I was down in Atlanta talking to these folks, I told them, I said, now, because these were people that were aspiring athletic directors. And I told them, I said, you got to be mindful. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. 
It's always an inside job, Pastor. It's always an inside job. And I told the young people that I said, you can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. And so your company will dictate your elevation. When I talk at middle schools, I, I always bring up one kid. Not always, but most of the time I bring up one kid. And I tell that kid in front of everybody, I will be able to dictate and prophesy your future if you just do one thing for me. Bring up here your closest three friends. I'll be able to tell you everything there is to know about you. And many times we wonder why we can't move forward. Just look around them jokers that are right under your nose. Just crabs in a barrel pulling you down. But you make the decision in terms of who you spend your time with and the quality of relationships that you have. And you know what they'll say? Oh, you think you better than me. I don't think I'm better than you. You think I'm better than you. I didn't. I'm trying to go somewhere. I don't have time to be fooling with some nonsense. And when they say that, all that is is a distraction. And so when the disciples were saying these things to that woman, do you think that stopped her? You think she stopped to have a conversation with them? But you know what we'll do? We'll stop and have a conversation. We'll get on the phone. You won't believe what so-and-so said. Just distracting you from the purpose. She didn't get distracted because she knew that pain is part of the process. Pain is part of the process. Many times in my life, they tried to throw me under the bus, lied on me, talked about me. And it was all that I could do. To not get on Twitter and, and, and get my side of the story out. But the Lord said, just hold your peace. Let the Lord fight your battles. And you know where I got that from? When you look in the text, the Bible says in verse 5 that they murmured against her. In verse 6, Jesus said, let her alone. You don't have to defend you. God will defend you. God jumped in between figuratively her and them and said, let her alone. You don't have to lift one finger in your defense. We serve a God that is fighting for you. Why? Because he's our father. If somebody lays one hand on my son, one hand on my daughter, they got to deal with the father. (laughs) If the enemy tries to lay one hand on you, Satan's got to go through God. How do I know that? When the enemy tried to come against Job, 
Job couldn't do anything until he received permission from God. In fact, it was God that says, have you considered my servant Job? Perfect, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And God laid the parameters. He said, you can touch his body. But you can't kill him. He he determined the ground rules. And so when you're going through your situation, don't get nervous. Because you got a God that's fighting for you. And he's got the devil on a chain. The devil can't do anything to you unless God allows it. And the Lord knows how much you can bear. Now, sometimes I've questioned that. I've questioned that premise, but I know that he has my best interest in heart. And I've learned that there's power in the pain, and I've learned there's strength in the struggle. And I've learned that everything I go through, God, he hears my cry. He understands what I'm going through. The Bible says that he was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Everything you go through, Jesus experienced the same thing. He knows how you feel. That's why when you can't tell anybody else, you can always tell Jesus. Because he knows all about it. But what you endure, it matters to God. And the last thing that matters to God. So what you give matters. What you endure matters. And the last thing is what you do, it matters to God. When you look at the text, the Bible says this. After Jesus defended her in verse 6, let her alone while ye trouble her. She had wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. Verse 8 says this. She had done what she could. All God is asking us to do is to do what we can. Just do what you can. For the last 30 or so years of my life, I made a decision. I'm just going to do what I can. And you know what? God knew that she did what she could. See, many times we think we're doing what we can, but we're not doing all that we can. But if you just do what you can do. God to do the rest. The little boy had five loaves and two fish. That's all he had. But he brought what he could. Jesus fed 5,000. Moses, all he had was a rod in his hand. He had and brought what he could. Took that same rod and parted the Red Sea. If you just bring what you have and do what you can, God will do the rest. What you do matters to God. 
What you do matters to God. And I'll wrap this up by saying this, because I'm thinking to myself like you guys, this is all she did. What is so special about this? If you continue to read, the Bible says this in verse eight, after she did what she could. Verse eight says she has come aforehand to anoint my body for the bearing. And so I've read that so many times and I've said to myself, she became known throughout the whole world just for doing that. And I was looking at it from a practical perspective and not a conceptual perspective. I was looking at the physical act, like many of us do, of what she was doing. And all she was doing was preparing the body of Christ. And I said to myself, because she did, she did that, she became known throughout the whole world. And we're talking about her still. And the Lord a couple days ago said, if that's all you see, you're missing it. The Lord whispered in my ear and said, what was happening, in fact, she was preparing Jesus for what was next. All right. And so what was next? After he was crucified on the cross and after he was laid in that tomb, he was resurrected on high. All she was doing was preparing him for what is next. And in the same way, when you go through and I go through, I've learned to change my perspective about what is happening to me. And I begin to recognize all that God is doing is preparing us for what's next. You think I'm a big ball and shot color right now. God is preparing me for something greater. He's preparing you for that next level. I was talking to a basketball coach years ago. and He's a Hall of Fame coach. I was in his front yard. Coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski, I was in Durham, North Carolina, in his front yard. And because I developed a little bit of a relationship with him, I like to listen to some of his podcasts and things that he says. And he had a player on his team years ago named William Avery. And you won't know that name. And the name's not important. But the message he gave to William Avery time and time again was important. William Avery would make mistakes during the game. And Mike when he made the mistakes, would yell out to William, next play, next play, next play. We got to recognize that what is happening to us, don't let it keep you from moving forward. Because all it is is preparation for what is next. When you make a mistake, you learn how to do that better. The fellow that created the, the light bulb, all right, it took him 998 times. You know, it was, it was, uh, um, Einstein, Albert Einstein, he came up with E equals MC squared. It, it took him several times to come up with that formula. All right. And they asked him, I, they said, you, 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 you failed hundreds of times, 
before you came up with that formula, E equals MC squared. He said, no, I didn't fail. I learned several hundred ways of not to do it. That's what he learned. He learned of different ways not to do it. And so he checked that off. Okay, that's not it. Let's try this way. That's not it. Let's try this way. That's not it. Until he finally arrived at what he was looking for. So he didn't view it as failure. Many times we beat ourselves up and we can't move on to what's next. Not recognizing it's just preparation what you're going through because God is trying to prepare you for something bigger than what you could ever imagine. But you caught up on what has happened to you. You just become so fixated on the pain and what they think about you. When I was going through something, Katrina sent me a text. She said, before they had an opinion, God had a purpose. Everything in your life is preparation for what's next. She was just preparing Jesus for what was next. God is only preparing you for what is next. God bless you in Jesus' name.